problem is my monitor for you is higher, so I keep my f like I'm not looking into the camera. I'm looking up at you. You looking up at me, are you? I am. That's a first. It is first. Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. What up, what up? Happy Friday, everybody. It is October 2nd? 2nd. It's October 2nd. We're in October. Patio furniture is going to be starting to put away. Garage is cleaned up. The old uh, fall bundle if you want to call it i guess where we just put everything away and uh change the tires on the on the truck and get ready for winter this is true do you know the uh precise temperature that you're supposed to uh change your tires when in and around when the weather gets a certain uh level Any uh, idea? yeah mm, no seven degrees celsius yeah close yes it's seven to eight degrees exactly yes. yeah so Anything uh, above that, you might want to keep your, your summers on. Anything below that, you want to take your summers off. So good call to you. One point, Brock. Bing. Air horn? I got one of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what do you think of this big nasty on my mouth here? What do you think of that? Uh, the, I'm just going extended goatee. See, you're very lucky. One, it's still got some darkness in it, which mine doesn't. But you can also play around with it and say, you know what, I'm going to shave it off um, and then I'm going to start all over because, it, one, it grows back quickly. But, two, um, you don't look bad without facial hair, which actually this is not planned segue, but I did have this. This is a – it was sent to me by my sister-in-law. It was taken 10 years ago. We were up at uh, her parents' place up in Espanola. I think yeah. uh, it was Savina was super young at the time, and I think it was around – this time of year, we were getting close to November, so Movember and whatever. Anyway, for some reason, we all, the, the guys are up there, we shaved and uh, just had our mustaches, and I was wearing some stupid riding hat. Um, but <laughs> this is what I look like. <laughs> that's what? That is incredible. Yeah, so that's uh, also why I am no longer allowed to um, to shave. shave. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm just, I mean, the beard covers up a lot of hideousness, and that's... Ah, uh, I don't know about so, that, Pally. Well... Yeah. That's an <clears> awkward look. To, I mean, that it's, must... <laughs> it's an awkward look, and uh, yeah, anyway, I'm glad she, she had it, and she shared it with me yesterday, so it was very fitting. Um, I guess she got a, some reminder on Facebook that it has been 10 years, and uh, this is the memory you want to remember. I don't think it is, but she <laughs> sent it to me anyway. Outstanding. Yeah. That's Mike Bingham's well, wife. So uh, Mike would have had yeah. his stash up there somewhere and whatever, too. I got to look for pictures for that. I found some. Uh, there's a. Actually, I should probably show you this picture. There's stuff on my wall, but um, it was, it's you, me, Gord, and Mike Ferreira sitting at the uh, Elegant Street Diner at what, at what looks like to be after work. Um, and we, we just look like we're. We, clearly, we haven't been drinking because I think it, the way we're dressed it looks like we just came from work. Okay. But we're just we're laughing our asses off, all four of us who have a huge <laughs> smile on our face. And someone took the picture, and you got to people got to keep in mind this is like 2001, so there wasn't anything digital. This was a camera with film developed. I'm assuming it was Mike's camera, 
but uh, that's where I got the picture from. Anyway, oh, I'll I'll take a picture and send it to you. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty hysterical. That. Yeah. Those are good times, some good stories in that Elgin Street Diner. Yeah, yeah. Some good yeah. food in that Elgin Street Diner. Delicious. I uh, you know what? I I we not planning to talk about COVID or anything like that, but I read an article yesterday that these two middle-aged guys I in, heard in their this. mid mid 40s. And you know what? This doesn't surprise me because I remember when we were doing the bar thing there were always a couple of dudes who just like lifelong drinkers and ir- irresponsible behavior, you know, being promiscuous and all that, all that other stuff. This kind of stuff doesn't surprise me. When and you read that article, did you not like think back to the bar days and say, eh, yes. there's about six guys that I can picture being those Easily. two guys. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then the one guy's a federal government, uh, federal employee. So like, it's not like they're, these guys are just, uh, uh, Jim and Bob who are, uh, you know, uh, like drinking all day and all night. These guys are like, you know, they're professional guys. And, you know, it's like, use your, use your head guys, you know, and they forget that. Let's say they've, let's say they infected nobody. Let's say they just, there's nobody that's, no one's been infected other than themselves. They shut, they're responsible for shutting down five bars simply by going there. So those bars should sue the hell out of them. Oh yeah. They're known. If they're known, like they're speaking, obviously they know who these guys are. There, there should be consequences for that. One hundred percent fines, whatever. You, you, you're, yeah, definitely. There's got to be some consequences. So I really hope it comes. I read through the whole article. I was waiting for them to name the guys. Yeah, but um, obviously that didn't happen. But there should be charges laid. One hundred percent. I would support that. Well, as I was watching the uh, what, what was a just a penalty filled, just awful Thursday nighter that ended up being a high scoring game. Surprisingly. Uh, an alert came on my phone and on uh, on television that uh, the president had been tested for COVID and was waiting for the results. Uh, when I woke up this morning, I saw what the results are. The president has tested positive for COVID as well as his wife, Melania, the first lady. I want to I want to just put one thing to rest. I don't wish the guy death. I don't think I don't want anyone to die from this thing. Uh you know, I th- there's going to be a lot of jokes circulating around the internet. I even posted something on Facebook about them hanging out and watching Netflix for four- the next 14 days. It's funny, but uh, I don't want the guy. To- I-, I don't wish the guy death. And uh, I th- I'm seeing a lot of that on the internet. Like, I-, I hope he gets sick enough that he has an appreciation for this virus, and then I hope he gets well. Like, kind of like when Scrooge, you know, uh, went met the three ghosts and uh, had to- had a change of heart when he woke up the next morning. I doubt this is going to happen. In fact, I think this is what I predict. He's going to survive it, no problem. And he's going to come out and see, like, see, I told you, I'm strong enough. It's and I'm 74, and oh yeah, uh, this isn't this is that's the uh, the likely scenario. But who knows? Crazier things have happened. It's unlikely. But anyway, I I, I do wish him a, a, a speedy recovery because Lord knows we don't need Mike Pence. After again, I'm not getting into any politics. Mm-hmm. Of mm-hmm. watching the debate actually i didn't even watch the debate but watching the it's reactions awful. of people watching the debate and after the debate it's a scary time like i'd have no yeah. uh, like i would not want to be an american at this time uh, to be honest it's just uh, yeah. it's scary and i don't think necessarily either candidate is really going to stand out but anyway it was you know it was the reactions of the reporters where one one lady calls it a shit show and the other one said I'll, that was a hot mess of like steaming garlic just and these I was are watching the, that the professional live. report. That's hilarious. I was watching that. That was CNN. I, I turned to CNN as soon as the, the de- debate. It wasn't a debate, by the way. It was one guy talking, one guy talking. And they had they weren't even debating anything. They were just insulting each other. Yeah. Um, but I turned to CNN and the one <laughs> the one guy said it's a 
It's a tire fire inside a bus inside <laughs> yeah, a right. truck. And then they turn to Dana Bash, uh, and she's she says, I, "You're gonna have to forgive my language, but that was a shit show." So it was. That's yeah. pretty. That's pretty shocking news coming from CNN. CNN. Anyways, we are not uh, a news channel. We're a sports channel, and uh, we got a lot a lot of sports to cover here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'll start with baseball. If unless you got anything else you want to add in the world of uh, current events. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, we did get, um, some, uh, rare footage of a Raptors game. Uh, I think you sent it to me. Um, not sure if you guys saw this. This was the, uh, this is, <laughs> I got, got I, way too much you time haven't on downloaded Reface, If you haven't downloaded Reface, I highly recommend it. That's, <laughs> that's me as Nick Nurse. That's Curtis as Drake. And then Brock is Mike Devlin in the back there. With Good the, God. Uh, with Leo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. So good. That's, yeah. uh, uh, anyway. I have to redownload it. Anyway. Uh, baseball. Right. We're disappointed in the Jays' performance, Brock? Or? Uh, um, surprise, no. Disappointed, yes. Disappointed in... Um, I was disappointed in game one with the move to pull Schumacher. Especially, again... With a three-game series, you really r- ride the hot hand. I thought he was hot, um, so let him go. It ended up being not a horrible um, game plan, I guess, if it was a matter of maybe Schumacher could pitch uh, sooner because of the fact that he was limited in pitch counts and whatnot. But And the change of pace, I thought, worked fairly well. So, you know, like they said, six, seven innings with two pitchers and you get one, uh, one run, it's not a bad thing. I would have liked to have seen him do Schumacher – you know, a little bit longer. Uh, so I understand his frustration. Um, disappointed in um, Ryu in terms of, uh, I know it was a short rest, but his stuff just wasn't there whatsoever. And even the stuff, like, and Tampa, I mean, Tampa hit him. Like, they, was, they were hitting pitches that were outside the strike zone. They were moving outside the strike zone. They were just getting bats on balls. Mm-hmm. I was disappointed in Bichette. Um, just... The two errors, like the the one I saw him, it looked like he had his feet under him, looked like he had everything, and then he sort of like floated the ball over to first base. And I thought, what the, what was that? I had to rewind it and watch. I'm yeah. like, did he trip? Did something? And then he had another one. I just thought, okay, that's where um, I think the youth was coming through in terms of um, maybe being overexcited in a playoff, trying to do too much or trying to, you know what I mean? Like you just kind of get inside. You're sort of pumped to make a play. And then mm-hmm. – it just goes to shit, and then you're kind of out of it for me for the next play. I don't know exactly, but Bichette, you know, from a, a core guy that we needed to see that come through, uh, I was disappointed in that. Um, I was disappointed a couple times, Biggio at bat. Uh, I think I texted you. I'm like, yeah, he's got a great eye. He doesn't swing at pitches outside the strike zone. And then I'm watching him. I'm like, you're not swinging at strikes in the strike zone. Mm-hmm. Like pitches that are coming right down the center. Like get your 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 bat off your shoulder. I hate that for me, and whatever. When I played baseball, I was like, I'm gonna strike out, or I'm gonna hit the ball. But I'm not gonna at the time. I'm I'm paying money to play baseball, right? So I'm not gonna go up there and let the bat sit on my shoulder and not swing. I'm paying to swing. But same idea. I was just like, why are we watching strike three? That's the worst thing. I'd rather you have a huge cut. And then miss it then to watch it go. You know what I mean? So that was frustrating oh, yeah. from a fan standpoint because I'm just like, we need to get something going. And, and again, the, 
the core guys that we need to take that next step are the Biggio, Bichettes, um, you know, Vladdy, Vladdy too, to a point. But I also saw an interview. I'm kind of going off here, but I saw an interview with Vladdy um, where they asked him, do you think you're a leader? And he's kind of like, a leader takes control of the team. I'm more of like, a, hey, I'll welcome you to the team and be your friend and whatever. And I, I really, honestly, I, I, I guess you got to know your role and maybe there's a language barrier there. So from that, but um, I don't know. I would have liked to have... It seemed like he didn't want to be a leader. And I think that's what maybe irked me a little bit. Like every player who gets up there should, especially in his sort of um, situation and the expectations of what he's coming in with um, and the pedigree and all that kind of stuff, you would think you would sort of want to be that. You need that sort of like killer, like, hey, I don't need to be talking up and taking control of the team, but I need to lead by example. You know what I mean? There's different kinds. Yeah. Anyway, I, his answers were being like, I'm just like, everybody's friend and I'll welcome you to the team and whatever. I'm not really a leader. And I was just kind of like that answer for me from a professional uh, athlete standpoint, you know, it didn't quite sit well with me. And I think that's, what's going to be the, um, the separator between him being phenomenal or him being eh, run of the mill, you know, is it going to be that like killer instinct that want that drive, that competitiveness. And I, and that response kind of didn't do it for me. That, that's that's true. I you know it's just tough, for, especially Vladdy's his own case. I find Vladdy to be uh, still still coming into his own, still not as mature as maybe he needs to be. But he's only twenty one. Uh, you know, and of course we it's not an excuse, but he, he is only twenty one. You know, you look at guys that maybe have the same sort of like power as he does. It took a long time for Edwin Encarnacion to actually be a, a good hitter. You know. He was a cast off in a trade with the in the Scott Rowland trade when he came to the Jays, and he was I think he had his best year at, at that time was only like ten home runs. So you know it takes time for these guys to develop. You want Vladdy to develop a lot quicker, obviously. I um, mean, you're investing a lot in him. Uh, I, I haven't seen anything from Vladdy other than a couple of mini little hot streaks where he goes three for four, but nothing in the power department that's really like aside from the aside from the home run derby. You know, he's played an absolutely terrible first base. Like, he has been awful at first base. Uh, Bichette, I'm going to give him a pass only because he's been so good all year. I, I just think the Trop is a tough place to play. Uh, the, the pressure maybe of the moment, uh, He maybe he just underestimated the speed of the runner and just, you know, threw it, threw it, uh, like, just experience. It's all, it's all experience, you know. Mm -hmm. I, they have none. And Bichette, I mean, you got to get the bat off. You got to get the bat off your shoulder. I mean, but again, that one maybe their best player all year. I don't think he. I don't think he missed Biggio. a game. Yeah, Biggio. Yeah, I mean, Biggio's bit was awesome. You know, it's guys like Vladdy Uriel played all sixty games. That was one thing I saw that he played all sixty games this season. Yeah, I mean that's amazing stuff. You know, and uh, you know it looks like we have something in Guriel in, in uh, left field. T. Oscar had a good year. There's a lot to be uh, happy about. Specifically, these two games, though, like I think you nailed it. I'm surprised they took Shoemaker out. I'm he was rolling, you know, and even just even if the score was so close, wouldn't and it didn't it really end up mattering that much that they pulled him because Robbie Ray came on and actually the run the run that they got was off a wild pitch. So right. like the catch went through. So I mean, he pitched well, um, but just the confidence that you have behind you, the, the guys behind you, knowing that he's coming out and he's pitching his heart out. You know, you elevate your game as a batter and as a defender, and 
you know, you just kind of throw the mix off when you when you take when you took him out. It didn't make a lot of sense. I was reading an article today that they don't think it's Charlie's call. They don't think it was even Pete Walker's call. They think that it's it was the the guys above who said this is how we're going to run this. We, we invested in Robbie Ray. We want to see him p- pitch. Yeah, you take your chances. You know, you took your chances by not putting Ryu to to pitch game one. You know, Ryu could have gotten shelled game one, and game two you could have regrouped. It could have been the other way around, but that's the way they did it. Um, live and learn. The Rays are very, very, very. The Rays are number one for a reason. So they they can hit. And yeah. my problem with the my problem with their strategy against the Rays is that they don't like velocity. They're the worst hitting fastball team in the in the majors. So the Rays are or the Jays. The Rays are okay. the Rays. The Jays are close. The Jays are I think <clears throat> the Jays third, are from a high heat standpoint aren't very good apparently, and that's I mean that's all they threw at them. So the Rays are worse uh, statistically. So you know. Would have been nice to maybe see Walker pitch game one. I know that I know it was the whole the whole rest and the you know the the days off in between. But these guys are pros, you know. We're talking a a, a, a mile per hour at most. Like I would like to see Walker pitch game two. You, you got to go with your strengths because I don't think re- the difference between Ryu and Walker is that much. So anyway, uh, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. But if you're going to be an analytical team like that, then that's kind of a big deal when a team can't hit fastballs. You, you throw pitchers who throw fastballs. So <clears throat> eight two was awful. It was seven zip before I blinked. I mean, you had texted me the score, and I'm like, oh, I was yeah. on my way somewhere, and I'm like, what the hell? What seven yeah. zero in a in a in a closeout game? Anyway, enough about the Jays. It was a good year. There's a lot to look forward to. There's there are things they need to improve. Uh, it looks like they've got something in Alejandro Kirk. Uh, Danny Jansen hit two bombs. I mean, that's promising, right? It's just it's two hits in a in a playoff game, two bombs. Promising stuff. So a lot to look forward to. They got to they got to certainly to make a choice with Reese McGuire, but uh, I'm looking forward to this off season and see what they do. And uh, the big Nate looked awesome. Oh, you know yeah. what I really liked? Did you see the tweets from the kids in the minors? No. Alec Alec Manoa, who's who throws 100 miles an hour, who's got Nate Pearson type stuff, uh, a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more of an edge to him. He's like six seven, two eighty, starting pitcher. He's like. Um, don't worry, boys. Help is coming, and there's a picture of him. I I thought super cool. And then Jordan Groshans, who's uh, another shortstop in the pipeline, who's I think he's like third or fourth in the in the Jays pipeline. He wrote, uh, "We're going to be good for a very long time. This is just the beginning." So I mean, there's some stuff to get excited about if you're a Jays fan. It's going to be funny to look back at some of those tweets because at some yeah. point those guys will be moved and they'll be on like a different team or something, and they'll be like, "Oh, mm. I was really trying to sell it." And now I've been <laughs> now I'm out. Well, I've been calling Alec Manoa's name all year as a guide for for the Jays fans to keep an eye on. Jordan Groshans, I mean, I don't know. You get to the to the pros, and you could go either way. You can go Alex Gonzalez or Tony Fernandez. Who knows? Anyway, uh, really quickly, I, uh, the American League matchups are awesome. Okay, the sad <laughs> news is that Jays are out. Yeah, but the, the next round is awesome. It's a best of five. I don't but, know why uh, the first one was a best of three either. I'm like, you have 60 games, you already shorted it down, make it a best of five. Jays would have probably lost all three games anyway, so it's not whatever, but I was kind of like, eh. But I'd rather a best of three than a best of one. Continue. Amen. I was just going to say that. Um, Yanks and Rays, they they don't like each other. They've, they've, they've plunked each other a couple times this year. I think it started with the Yankees and the Rays retaliated, then the Yankees retaliated. Like, I don't think you're going to see a lot of plunking in a playoff game, but these guys do not like each other. Aaron Boone and Kevin Cash do not like each other. So it's an intriguing matchup on uh, on that that end. 
The Astros and the A's are the other side. Mm -hmm. they, they also don't like each other. This year, didn't they? They, they? Yes, they had two brawls. Um, and then, of course, all the all the crap with the uh, the Houston Astros cheating and all that, and the A's calling him out on it. I mean, I'm just rooting for the A's so hard. You have like I can't even tell you how hard I'm rooting for him. So uh, one thing that surprised me, I'm not sure. Maybe you know more, more about this than I do. The the Minnesota Twins who lost to the Astros, they took they kept Donaldson off their playoff roster. I thought that was a peculiar move, and I don't know. I, I haven't looked into it. I don't know if he was hurt, or I, I don't know what deal. Up. There was something because uh, I saw that after uh, one of the games I was watching, it came underneath whatever. I thought it was a, an injury related. We really need Kurt to check this stuff like in real time when we when we bring it up. Oh yeah, um, we need a lot of things for this podcast. Yeah, but we're we're doing okay, anyways. Um, I thought that was peculiar. Anyway, the Braves and Dodgers are waiting to to, uh, to play the winner of the Cubs and Marlins. Marlins are up one zip. Game two is today at two o'clock. The Marlins. The Marlins. That's incredible. That's incredible stuff. They were they've they basically gave away half their team in the last two years, and they've they rebuilt on the fly with uh, a, a few like veteran guys and a couple of like you know not necessarily top tier prospects, but good enough. And they've had some good pitching, and here they are. They're about to eliminate the Cubs. Pretty that, wild stuff. Is it just like a big advantage for like the the Marlins and the Rays uh, during this COVID time because like they're still allowed to have all their fans at the games? <laughs> it's the same thing for them. They don't have hello. No, okay. <laughs> oh, maybe yeah. It could be. Maybe they're just used, they're used the, to the silence. The trap looked Pod filled anyway. Padres and Cardinals are now 1-1 after the Padres came back and won 11-9 yesterday. A great yeah, series. Good. Padres are a fun young team. A lot like the Jays, but a, a little bit more of a, a veteran presence on that team. Uh, fun fun series. I'm looking forward to seeing the end of that. But, yeah, uh, Tatis is that's, fun to watch. Got a bit of an edge to him. <coughs> Machado's on that uh, San yeah. Diego team as well. And they picked up Mitch Moreland. They've got good starting pitching. and They're a fun team. Love their uniforms. The brown, uh, the brown, <laughs> the brown yellow. on yellow. It's nice. Anyway, that there's my uh, there's our MLB talk. Uh, congratulations to the Jays on making the playoffs. Hopefully, they could take that next step next year. But uh, time for some little uh, a little college football, Brock. You can cue up the music because I know how yes. excited that gets you. It does. It's like I don't know if you've ever seen those uh, memes where it's like, oh, the wife she plays the NFL theme song, the husband comes running. This would be what gets me into the room. <laughs> okay. College football is back. You know, I said it last week. We got the SEC finally is back in. The Big Ten will be on shortly. Uh, so for the games that you guys uh, that I suggested watching, obviously Florida Ole Miss wasn't a bad game to start with. I forgot that Ole Miss has uh, uh, Matt Corral, which was initially I watched this guy during the Elite 11, which is where they take the top like high school quarterbacks and compete, and Trevor Lawrence was there, all that kind of stuff. So I want to see how Corral was doing because okay. he was a Gator commit at the time. Now he flipped before his freshman year, I think, or whatever. So he went to Ole Miss. I forgot. I'm like, why do I know that name? Oh, yeah, because he used to be a Gator, flipped over to Ole Miss, then he got his ass kicked by the Gators, although he did look pretty good. So I'll give him that. But uh, Florida pulled that out. I said Kentucky-Auburn would be a pretty good game, which ended up being a pretty good game. Auburn ended up winning, but uh, Kentucky was right in there. Miami destroyed Florida State. Um the West Virginia-Oklahoma State game was all Oklahoma State, really, but those were for the two uh, Canadian kids that I wanted to watch. Uh, Tennessee-South Carolina was good. Tennessee ended up winning that. Um, the games that I didn't think were going to be as good as they were, 
well, I actually I went eight for three in my picks on CBS, and uh, I picked Kansas State to uh, with the spread, but they ended up beating Oklahoma for the second year in a row. So unranked Kansas That's a State, big deal. Beat, it is a big deal. Now Oklahoma's got the freshman quarterback, right? Or, or uh, not a freshman, but his first year quarterback because uh, um, Hertz was there last year. But still, this is the second time, and, and uh, Oklahoma blew like a fourteen or something lead in the fourth quarter. So uh, good on Kansas State for for coming through. But the game that really stood out, and I damn it, I forgot to put the clip on here to to share. But uh, LSU Mississippi State. So LSU's national champs. They're back. They're retooling. Uh, Joe Burrow is gone, so they got this uh, Brennan kid who's in there. And the kid comes out and throws 27 for 46 for 345 yards and three touchdowns. Impressive. Impressive. But they play Mississippi State, which is Mike Leach's new offense. And they got this kid Costello, Costello against LSU, who's, again, notoriously good on defense and, 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 and hard to play against. This kid goes 36 for 60 for 623 yards and five touchdowns versus the national wow. champs from last year. Wow. Unbelievable. And well, Mike Leach has this little video, this hype video. It's on Twitter somewhere or whatever, and it's like a, a slow-mo video of a, a wagon, like an old-school Western wagon, and it's got some band members and stuff around, and it, and it kind of like – it, it the, the camera moves up and catches him. He's sitting on top of the bandwagon. And he's looking at the camera. And he goes, "You looking for a bandwagon to jump on?" He's like, "Come on up." And it's like the Mississippi <laughs> State bandwagon. And now everybody's anyway. The guy, <laughs> the guy can coach offense, and they put up stats like crazy. And the fact that it was against LSU is um, is insane. And I never would have imagined that would have happened, especially week one. Sixty pass attempts. 60. That's incredible. You don't see that a lot in college football. No, not at all. I mean, 623 yards is, from an SEC standpoint, that might be a record. I have to check that. Um, but, wow. I mean, that's just, uh, yeah, it's unreal. So that was, uh, that was really good. Um, yeah, that was probably the best ones. This week, there's not, uh, there's not as many intriguing matchups. It seems to be a lot of uh, one-sided ones. But at 330, you got Texas A&M at Alabama. Uh, Texas A&M is ranked right now, but Alabama is favored by 17 and a half. Um, I hate both teams. Yeah. Uh, 7.30, I mean, there is uh, Florida plays. Uh, uh, who they play this week? Anyway, 7.30, it's Auburn at Georgia, and that's a game that I'll watch as well um, because they're, uh, Auburn is eight, Georgia's four right now. The new AP poll has Clemson one, Bama two, Florida's moved up to three, uh, Georgia's at four, Notre Dame five, OSU. So Ohio State, who hasn't played yet, is down at six. I think they start a bit higher, but because they haven't played yet, they got jumped. But they start, uh, I believe it's next week. Um, and then uh, Auburn at seven, and Miami is up at eight, surprisingly enough. Um, but I think that's, again, limited to the fact that uh, not everybody's playing right now. So uh, you kind of have to... Take it with a grain of salt. Florida's at uh, is hosting South Carolina this week at noon. Uh, I don't see South Carolina. The Gamecocks. The Gamecocks, yeah. And uh, I checked it, that the Helensky kid didn't play for them last week. So I don't know. Uh, I have to look into a bit more as to why he's not. Um, but that's the, the college football take right now. Um, hey, it's back on. I can't wait. Yeah, as much as I hate the Big Ten, I don't hate the Big Ten. I don't like the Big Ten. Um Getting more and more of these teams back and playing is going to be, yeah. you know, again, more 
like college football a regular season. They they're allowed most places are allowed about twenty percent of of their fans in. So, you know, at a place like the Swamp, that's twenty thousand fans still yeah. spread out through the stadium. So. Um, it still has a pretty decent atmosphere. You can still hear the crowd. I don't know if they're pumping noise on top of the crowd noise, but uh, I just I don't think so. I think they're just they're pretty rowdy people, and uh, it's been it's been fun. So hopefully the Big Ten comes back. Hopefully they're fine. You know, as we're seeing with the NFL, there's uh, players are testing positive. You got the Steelers Titans game that's being postponed uh, because of that. So um, you know we gotta appreciate what we have right now because who knows how long it's gonna last. Well, perfect segue. I mean, I, I don't want to talk about this. I'm just, just just throwing this number out here. As of this morning, 141 new cases of COVID today in Ottawa. It's a big number. That's so, a big number. Um, you know, we have to be careful here in our own city. But it looks like, for the most part, it looks like the NFL's done a good job. I mean, I don't know the where Tennessee caught the virus. Um, luckily, nobody in Minnesota was affected so their schedule remains the same and they've opened their facility and their game's going to happen uh, uh, you know as it, as it uh, was scheduled did this looks like this Tennessee Pittsburgh uh, delay isn't going to really affect too much the way it works out they can play it in week 7 or something like that and then it it doesn't affect the Pittsburgh has a bye week the week after they can move their game against Baltimore that week instead because they're both on a bye so it, it worked out it looks it looks like it's going to work out perfectly just to just to delay it and not have it as an additional game or, or I think uh, that, like at the end of the season. That helps when you have no fans, you're not allowed fans, is the rescheduling and rejigging of uh, stadiums and, and yeah. who's playing where. If you have fans, then you have that extra element of refunds yeah. and when they're going to get out. If there's no fans, yeah. it's like, hey, you guys are getting paid to do this. You have nothing else going on. We're going to schedule you on a Wednesday at noon. You're going to play then. You know, realistically, yeah. you could do that. Now there's TV rights and stuff to take consideration, but you don't have to worry about refunds and getting other other people there and the, and the rest of the staff and security, whatever. So that aspect actually caters to it. Uh, you just said 141 cases. And it's funny, I just got an alert on my watch. So I'm on this uh, bench app for because uh, yeah. I started, I want to play more goalie. So I put myself on this for like spares or like getting pickup games. And everybody's talking about the the new cases and you know how much longer will pick up hockey even be allowed? And this somebody just posted that it was 141 new cases today. Um, anyway, I wonder if there's any correlation between like if you said there are going to be teams that that catch COVID or have some instances of COVID in the NFL that are going to cost games. Las Vegas, New Orleans, Nashville. Um, maybe New York, maybe LA, like those areas. And if you see a pattern there, it's that those are destination areas, party towns, uh, a lot of uh, gatherings and, and opportunity to go out where you're going to have contact with a lot of people. And I don't know if there is a correlation between the two, but Tennessee is in Nashville, right? And that's yeah. a notorious party town. So who knows? It takes one guy, a uh, bench warmer, to go out and say, screw it, I'm going out to drink or uh, hook up, whatever, and he's out, and he brings it back. I'm not I guess we have to see the, uh, the state, the state uh, regulations would, would also – I mean, no, no matter how big a, a town is in terms of partying, if their regulations state that your bars are closed at a certain hour – it's going to be limited, so I'd have to. That's a, you make you great make a great point. I don't think New York's really a really a hotbed for partying right now. There's a lot going on in New York City. I mean, they Outside they flatten the yeah. 
they flattened the curve, but violence and, and crime is up like tenfold in New York. So I don't know if COVID is really a hotspot there right now. I don't think it was on a list of, of states that have shown a, a rise, but um, you make a great point. And I, those cities, I mean, Las Vegas, you know, like it's a destination place for, for Canadians to go and party, let alone people who live in or around the area. So Wild stuff going on. We're, we're, I mean, the NFL to, up to now, it's we're we're going into week four, and we've really only had one one team that's been affected, infected and affected. So, you know, and by the, by all accounts, it was it's only three players, and the, the rest were staff. So, like, I think we're going to be okay. But uh, cross your fingers that they just these players keep staying uh, responsible, so that you know the, there's are there are no delays and setbacks because football. Football can get really complicated. You have to start canceling games because it's only once a week, right? It's not like you can have a double header in baseball or uh, or even in hockey. Like football, you need a week off to rest. So you start doing that. It's not only you... a week off; it's a week planning. So they talk about oh, right. why don't you just get the Pittsburgh to play whoever the other team was? Uh, there was a chance. Well, that was Minnesota, I think, right? Minnesota had uh, there was anyway. There was a chance there was yeah. another game that wasn't going to be playing. So like, why don't you have Steelers play these guys? Well, you need a week yeah, to prepare does. and adjust your your scheme accordingly to that exactly. team and their defense. So um, it's it's not easy to do in a football realm. And you said it was mostly staff, right, that were infected? I think it's three players and five staff or six staff. Or it's it's double the amount of players. Okay. But it wasn't a huge number, but anyways. Would that be considered um, a staff infection? What's that? Would that be considered a staff infection? Oh, no, okay. no, right. no, no, no. All right, no, moving on. No. Next one. <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, I want. To, I do want to talk a little NFL. Uh, that was good. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I just, you know what? I just the guy just the guy. Maybe, maybe a couple of years ago, he got a lot of credit, and you know, he was the poster child for how you want your quarterback to be. But now we're talking ten years removed from his Super Bowl victory. The guy is playing some of the best football of his career. I can't even name you three of his receivers. I think Lazard is one, and uh, Adams is the other. Lazard, but Adams, he, yeah, uh, Gatling, whatever. But he's doing name. it. He's he's doing it with, uh, and I would say this throughout his whole career. He's done the most with the least, and I'm not afraid to say that. I and mean, you know, people can say, "Well, you know, Tom Brady. Look what Tom Brady. You know, every every year he has a new receiving core." Wes Welker went ahead and played with Denver and had a pretty good year with uh, Peyton Manning in Denver. I mean, there are examples of guys going out and moving on. And uh, I mean, look at it. Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski were the best tight ends in the NFL for a couple of years. So to say that he didn't have the talent, I don't know about that. Um, but like a guy like Drew Brees, even I mean, he's had you know all pro wide receivers throughout his his whole career. He's had first round uh, draft picks at running back. He's had good offensive lines. Uh, ben Roethlisberger has had. Really, really good wide receivers, good running backs. They draft well. I mean, I'm, and I'm using those type, those quarterback names because they're around the same age as, uh, as Aaron mm. Rodgers or certainly in the same area in terms of uh, their careers. Aaron Rodgers is playing the best football of his career right now. Does he not get enough credit? Uh, I think there is some – he had a bit of a down tick at one point, and I think that's what maybe had kept him um, – Underappreciated, I guess to say the least. I think. Uh, but I think when was right. the downtick? Well, over maybe not last year, but uh, it was maybe two or three years ago where um, he wasn't 
he didn't seem his normal self. His arm wasn't quite what it was. He seemed to be frustrated with some of the receivers and trying to work out that timing. And I don't know if that, that timed up with the first year that uh, Lafleur was in um, or not, but I think there was also – or uh, was it McCarty right before him? It was. I think it was last year because McCarthy was fired, I think, midway through last year. Anyway, it was around that, that coaching uh, turnover that uh, – um, and they started losing a lot of their offensive line. So, like, you know, TJ Lang had left and, and uh, Bulaga was uh, – uh, no, Sitton was uh, Sitton was traded away to the Bears. And you started losing some of, like, the key guys from the offensive line too. And I think that's what – you know, and they hadn't had a real established running game at the time either. And uh, anyway, there was a couple of uh, things. But overall, like – and even that, like those down ticks or those underappreciations, um, he was still a top five quarterback probably, or at least top ten. Um but I, I agree with you. I think he's done probably the most with the least. I think Russell Wilson might be the next guy, in my opinion, as to who would have done more with less. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is – this is the, the rejuvenation of an old quarterback, very much like they did with Brett Favre. Like, I feel like Brett Favre would tell them that kind of whatever, and then they drafted Aaron Rodgers to be behind him, and then Favre went off on a few years that were just – unreal and that little kick in the ass of saying there's somebody else that we're bringing in so i'm curious to see over the next little while how that actually uh, plays out do they trade roger uh, rogers or not sign him or let him go somewhere else so that now they're saying you know what justin love is ready to go it's uh, year three he's studied his uh, the tutelage by rogers and is now ready to take the reins and we're moving on to the next round to the next uh, era um just like they did within the brett Favre one but i'm curious I think it's just a, it's a rejuvenated Rodgers who's playing pissed off to a point where he didn't like that the fact they drafted somebody else. And this guy is, I've said it before, where um, from a quarterback standpoint, like uh, it was Breeze and Green Bay last week, Breeze and Rodgers last week. And I thought, okay, who are we going to pick? And I was like, you know what? Uh, Adams is out. Michael Thomas is out. Rodgers is going to be fine because he doesn't care who's on the other end of that ball. He doesn't have that relationship. He's going to throw a ball so hard that you have no choice but to catch it, where Breeze is going to be more affected by not having a Michael Thomas. And what happened? Green Bay beat them. Yep. And Rodgers had a great game. I mean, anyway, it's uh, I, I'm a huge Rodgers fan. Yeah, and I'm you know watching him play at this level. And we talked about this a little bit last week. You know, he's uh, committed to his lower body this year. Uh, he said he, the first offseason in a long time, he just focused on his lower body, like flexibility and strength and agility and laterals, lateral strength so that when he does get out of the pocket, he's not going to – I mean, how many times in the last couple of years has he, to, has he had to blown a calf or blown a hamstring and played through it? So very, it's a very interesting division. Them and the Bears sit at 3-0. and The Bears are now moving on from Trubisky. They've, they've said Foles is, my, Foles is our guy. Big Dick um, Nick. Hey, I, I got to say this about Nick Foles. Uh, one guy said when he gets in the huddle, Foles is all confidence. Foles can read and change plays at the line of scrimmage where Trubisky just couldn't. And Foles could read a defense and make a guy go, you know, change a, a receiver's uh, pattern or hot route or whatever he was doing. And he does it with confidence and he knows. Whereas Trubisky just hasn't evolved yet. So. I mean, a uh, good move for the Bears. Hey, three and is three and zero, man. I don't care w- what team you are. Three and zero is th- to get three wins in the NFL before the f- week four is pretty impressive. 
So uh, that's an interesting division. I do I do think the Packers are going to end up winning that division. But the Lions, big win last week. They beat the Cardinals. That's an impressive win. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chiefs look awesome. Did you watch last night's game? Uh, I watched some of it because uh, I've piggybacked on Curtis's bets, and that was one of them, was Denver plus one. And uh, uh, I watched uh, Darnold's run, which, uh, hey, it was a long run. It was one I didn't do. Uh, I didn't expect from Darnold to do. Um, And if you watch the slow slow motion, um, there's an end zone view where you see him kind of running at the end zone. Or, and then a side one where you get a clear shot of his face. And have you ever run where you know, like, a, a dog's chasing you and it's like, it's in, it's going to catch you, but you start running and you're running in that, like, really weird. It's not a, it's not a track run. It's like a, a run with, like, your, your, your butts forward because you don't want to get oh, anything, yeah. whatever. And you got that, like, <laughs> just, it's that feeling. Anyway, Darnold's run from start to finish was that kind of run. He was yeah, just... Yeah running for his life and yeah. just waiting to get crushed. And it was one of those like, Hey, all of a sudden I'm in the end zone, but I'm like, it looked uncomfortable the whole way, but whatever he got there. By no means was he Michael <clears throat> Vick. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was a great, uh, great run. Uh, another tough loss for the jets who are completely out, out manned. Like they look, they don't have an offensive line. They don't have a, a substantial running game. Uh, Frank Gore's a good running back, but I mean, he's year 17. What are you, what are you going to get from him? Uh, Bell doesn't want to be there. Uh, they have no receivers. Uh, there's holes everywhere. And on top of that, they were so undisciplined. And Greg Williams is their defensive coordinator. Yeah, tech, good tactician, sure. He likes to dial up uh, as many blitzes as he could possibly dial up. But they're so undisciplined. I mean, they had nine penalties in the first in the first half, and big ones too, like you know, referring the quarterback and late hit. The quarterback was sliding. They hit the guy in the head. I mean. I mean, stupid stuff. But Greg Williams is the same guy that uh, was accused of bounty bounty gate there a few years ago when he was the Saints. Uh, right. I mean, this guy this guy is notorious for for dirty. So, I mean, is that the who guy you the want coaching? Do you remember? Young? Pardon me. Do you remember who the bounty was supposed to be on, or was it just anybody? I, right. It was like a, I, if you I, take somebody I, anyway. I believe so. But this is the same. This is the guy who's coaching up a pretty young defense. Is that the guy? Is that the guy you want coaching up young guys? Like Quinn and Williams, is that the guy you want coaching up young guys? Guy, a guy who's known for a bounty hunt, bounty hunter, bounty gate, known for talking trash, known for actually teaching dirty tactics. I mean, is that the guy you want coaching a young defense like that? Because I don't, I couldn't even name you another guy in their defense other than Quinn and Williams. Um, probably not. Um, probably not. I mean, that's a stupid personal decision by a really poorly run organization in New York who'd friggin' traded up to get Darnold. But, I mean, he's a coordinator, right? The development, so he is a tactician, like you said. It's the, it's the positional coaches that will have more an effect from a grooming and um, preparation relationship type standpoint the coordinator does his thing in terms of where they got to be and here's the game plan but the positional coaches so if there's a a a positional coach that can be sort of a a buffer or a a better example for these players uh underneath him then i think you're probably okay but again it all stems from uh what was the remember the titans attitude reflects leadership yeah for sure 
right? Uh, looking at the AFC, I mean, we got a big matchup this week. The uh, Patriots and Chiefs, big matchup. That's a big one for the Patriots. I mean, certainly if they come out and win there, I mean that's, that, that propels them right up with the upper echelon. The Buffalo Bills uh, got away with one last week, I would have to say. And I'm Ugh. happy that they won because I'm a Bills fan, but they got away with one. And, uh, you know, that was that game was a very entertaining game. The, the Rams came back. They were down 20, and they came back. It was awesome. And uh, a very entertaining game. Josh Allen looks like the real deal. Um, Does he, we, though? We'll come, well, like, he, he, I, listen, yeah, there, I think there he were locked two. out into like three or four different plays. Uh, I think he's still immature where there's plays. He's got to get rid of the ball or get whatever, and he's lucky he didn't turn the ball over. Um, yeah. The fighting with defensive linemen and like the ball hanging loose and stuff, I think he got away with a lot of things. I also think that the Rams should never have gotten back into the game because the play that they called was a huge turn of events where it was a, uh, a pass to Knox uh, – who caught the ball, Knox is the tight end for the Bills, caught the ball, and then they came down to the ground, and then the, the Rams guy had, like, wrestled it from him. But Knox had the ball. He had the catch already. But not only did they uh, – I think they looked at it, but they they called it interception and kept it an interception. So not only was it uh, – I think it was a pass interference too maybe or some – option but it was they, it wasn't a catch it was a, it was a pick so now a complete turn of events where B- buffalo's now in scoring position again to uh um, extend their lead to three scores i think gave the ball back to the rams and then they go down and score momentum just like changed from there and i thought that Allen did a good job to get them back in and ultimately win the game but i thought as i was watching this comeback there was he was very, very lucky on a lot of occasions. And I thought that uh, um, he basically put himself in situations to lose that game more so than to win that game. That's a good point. I, I do say, though, he made two huge. third and There was a third and 22, and there was a third and 18, and he converted both on beautiful passes up the middle. So I, for what he did, I mean, he's young, right? I mean, I, again, I my comparison is to Ben Roethlisberger because they're, they're about the same size, but... Big Ben in his first three years, I want to rip my hair out. He he'd for every great play he made, he'd pull a bonehead, try to try to fend off a defensive tackle with one arm while holding the ball with his other hand. So I get exactly what you're saying, but I think the Bills should be pretty excited with the fact that he's making these uh, improvements to his game and progressing every week. Third and twenty-two with the game on the line, and he converts. So got to give him some credit where credit's due. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was an interesting week. Um, right now, I have to say the Chiefs look like they're the uh, they're the AFC team to beat, and in the uh, in the NFC, I mean, I don't know, like it's there's the Packers are three and zero, and everyone else, the Atlanta Falcons, Brock. It seems like every week we're talking about them not being able to hold a lead again, yeah, again. This is now we're just, just talking about the Cowboys' their, mess. Yeah, this is their entity. This is what they're being known for as blowing leads. So any team that plays the Falcons now knows they're never out of it. Yeah. And it's and it's sad because you know I think Dan Quinn's a good coach. I think it's just been a mess since the Super Bowl, and they have talent. There's the, it's not for a lack of talent, certainly on offense, but now we're looking at like they just it's just a mental thing now. So they they may need oh, yeah. to uh, remove uh, the, the 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 core of that team, which is either the quarterback, the coach, or both. Something needs to change because right now it's just not it's just not jiving. 
They they may need just a refresh from a defensive standpoint. Like the offense is still moving and they're putting points up, and Ryan is having a pretty good year. Like all yeah. things considered, um, so I, I don't think it's they put up they put up enough points to win games. Yeah, and that's not even putting a lot of pressure on the defense to say you got to keep them to two scores or something. That's there's a lot of leeway there, but I think. Um, I think, you know, after a while, when you start blowing leads, you start being a bit more cautious. And what happens there? You start playing prevents, and then people start picking that apart. And then what? Then you lose. And then you're like, okay, what do I do? You just got to be aggressive. Like, yeah, just you got to keep your, your foot down and say, you know what? Like, we're not going to sit back anymore and wait for this team to beat us. We're going to go after them, and they're going to have to make the right plays, and we'll risk it. You know, we're losing yeah. anyway. So let's let's try and win the game as opposed to uh, let's try not to, to, to lose it. Absolutely. And we see that all the time in in, uh, in every sport, really. Yeah. Teams just don't play to win. They just play not to lose. So um, that's that's all I got for NFL. We, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more NFL next week. I know we've we've sort of uh, we're cutting cutting our NFL stuff short, but really quickly, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning who uh, won the Stanley Cup, uh, you know, that they've been the best team in the NHL for the last couple of years. So, you know, they had a tough first round loss last week. Yeah. You know, uh, last year, sorry, I should say. Um, they came back, redeemed themselves this year. So congratulations to them. Really, really well-coached team. Uh, well-balanced, good defense, good offense, uh, uh, deep. I mean, everything you want in a hockey team, they are. If for, for today's, pro, uh, you know, the way hockey's played now, they're the team to beat. So um, happy for Stamkos as well. Buck, uh, I want to ask you, what are the chances of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Tampa Bay Devil Rays winning titles this year to join the Lightning. I don't think there are many cities that have had the uh, like grand slam of uh, of championships, but like, do you think the Bucks and Rays have legit chances at the Super Bowl and, uh, and uh, the World Series? Uh, Rays, obviously, they're quite good. I don't think the Bucks have a shot. No, you don't, you don't think the Bucks with Tom Brady and them being 2-1 and one and it's you know not a crazy strong NFC, you don't think they have a chance, eh? Well, I, everybody has a chance. If they make the playoffs, everybody has a chance, and we've seen it before from you know Tom's Patriot teams where they, they get in the playoffs, and you know when they get in the playoffs, they're dangerous. And they also – but, again, that's a, that's a Tom and the Patriots. I think that's more of a Belichick thing. Belichick team gets in the, in the playoffs. He's going to mix everything up completely. I think, you know, Arians gets in the playoffs. It's going to be standard uh, what he's doing, and I think people are going to know it at that point. So it's not the same situation whatsoever. I think out of – well, I mean, Tampa, the Lightning have won it. The Rays are probably pretty favored, other than maybe the Dodgers. Um, but I think, the, obviously, the Bucks are going to be the hardest sell on that, and I just don't mm-hmm. uh, I don't see that happening. I'm not putting any money on the Bucks to win the Super Bowl right now. I, I'll agree with you in the sense that what I've, from what I've seen from Tampa these first three weeks has not impressed me at all. I, I think uh, Brady looks a lot like he did last year. And he's got a lot more weapons, but he looks very similar. And this again, I have part of that blame has to go to Arians. And I was calling it. I called it when this happened. I said Arians' offense is going to get Tom killed. So unless the two of them could find some common ground, I think I'm not, I haven't been overly impressed with with the, their play. The Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, geez, they played the the Jays seven times. I think they played the Red Sox like eight times out of sixty games. It's just in a full season, so I'm not ready to crown them as number one. They finished number one because they had the best record, but they didn't play everybody. Uh, so I find their record a little bit deceiving. I don't know if they have the sustained hitting to to get them past the Yankees. I mean, at, you know, the Glasnow and Snell are two. 
phenomenal pitchers. After that is Charlie Morton. You know, in a in a best of five, I think they can get it past this next round. But in a best of seven, I don't know if they have the horses. Um, again, number one team. I think if you were to tell me who's more likely to win, the Bucks or the Rays, I'd have to go Rays right now. But I'm not somewhat sold on them. Yes, they put a number on the Jays, but the Jays are young. So I don't know. It's an interesting. That's an interesting conversation. But I like the uh, I like the Rays. Bats. I like how they manufacture yeah. runs and need to. I like that they're yep. nobody on there is uh, cockier than the team or thinks they're bigger than the team. I guess is the feeling I get from them. It's not like you know what I mean. Like let's say Stanton and those guys that go up from a yep. Yankee standpoint, they're expected to hit home runs. They're going to go and do that. Where and like the Jays used to be, you know, with Bautista and Encarnacion and and Donaldson. It's like everybody's expecting the home run. We're going for the home run, but nobody's. Uh, willing to sort of say, you know what, I'm going to shorten my swing. I'm just going to try and pop one over second base and go. I think the Rays all do that. 100%. Willie Adamas. Yeah. Kiermaier, Adamas, uh, you know, the Brandon Lau. I mean, those they, they're they loaded with guys like that. So it's they're a, they're a team that I, I wish, I hope the Jays can become, plus a little bit of extra pop with, with the Guerrero. Right. But it, it'd be nice to see the Jays become that team that can manufacture runs and hit the ball where you aren't, you know, um, which I saw Brandon Lau do in the first game. I'm like, oh, we're in trouble where we, we shifted all the way to the right. And he just did some sort of half swing on a fastball. And it just, it went right where we weren't. So the Jays are, are going to get there. I, I hope, uh, I hope that's, that's their future. Uh, really quick to end my, my uh, contribution to this show is uh, just really quickly. The Lakers look so dominant. King James uh, was out of his mind how well he was playing uh, in that game one. He started off slow. He didn't. Even, I don't even think he put up that many shots, but he's just so damn efficient. I mean, he had ended up with a triple double again. So efficient, so smart. They had a, a. He had the ball on the baseline, and the camera view went to like the court view. I'm not sure if you've seen this, but sometimes they bring the camera to court view, and uh, so the camera was basically right where he was standing. And so you could see him take his guy one on one, and it's rare unless you've got courtside seats. It's rare you get this vantage point when you're watching on TV. Mm. He just took the guy. The guy was like he may as well have been a mosquito, and he got to wherever he wanted to on the court, and he finished with a reverse layup. And I'm like, he is so much stronger than everybody else on the court right now. And he has that game one has just basically now, um, it just why any confidence the Heat had coming into this war, this championship is now gone. They're intimidated. They're over overpowered, over strength. Dwight Howard looked like he was 21 years old. Dwight Howard just eliminated Bam Adebayo. Eliminated him. Over. You're not. I'm stronger than you are. I'm going to get every rebound, and you're not going to do a thing on me. And I was so impressed. And of course, AD with his 35 and 10 or whatever he had. Yeah. I mean, that team is that team is destined. So, uh, I think I think I was calling the Lakers in five. I think it'll actually be a sweep, but who knows? Uh, Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers is now the coach of the Sixers. You have an opinion on that? <laughs> wow, you're making me have a love interest with him. But I thought it was a good, I thought it was good. I thought, hey, I made a comment to saying that I think the Sixers are not, are now. For those who don't know, if you look at our Facebook page, Pep was chirping me a bit because <laughs> I was defending Doc and saying, look. Like he with Philadelphia is now a very big hurdle for the for the Raptors. And you said, you know what, their personnel, they need big personnel changes. 
in order to be competitive. And I, I argue that Doc is a big personnel change, and that's going to bring a different okay. mentality to that team. And then all of a sudden, I was, you know, infatuated with Vince Doc. Lombardi. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Vince Lombardi. Anyway, I think that's a great hire. I think he will yeah. bring changes to it. But even if they kept every player on that team, current and what they have right now i think all those players collectively will be better and that team will be better next year because of the mentality and the focus that doc rivers brings and what he's going to instill in them in terms of a, from a team aspect so i think it's a great hire for philly um i think it's a great place for doc too to be honest like he's you know obviously a, a very big um uh, I don't say, well, maybe advocate, you know, um, of the, the what's going on right now in, in uh, today's world and what the, the, the Black Lives Matter movement and all that kind of stuff. And I think, um, you know, even though in L.A., obviously there's, there's the opportunity to do that, but you're still in an organization that just recently got rid of a blatantly racist owner and whatever. I think Philadelphia, you maybe have, <clears throat> I don't know, a bit better of a platform even or be able to... Uh, to follow that too. So anyway, I just think it's a good fit for him. And yeah. I just think for, from a Raptor standpoint, um, that's going to be tough. Yeah, no, I, I you, you know Doc. what? It's for, for sure. You, you, there's, you cannot disagree with anything you said. I, I do think those Sixers are poorly constructed and I do think doc will, will, I'm sure there was some back, uh, some backstage t- chatter with uh, the owner saying, look, if I do accept this position, this is what we need. Um, you know, they, I'm sure they looked at the roster and said, we're not, we can't win with this roster. It's, they're too big and too slow. So, uh, Montrez Harrell's a UFA. I could see, I could see doc bringing in a couple of Clipper guys, uh, you know, to have some familiarity with his offense. Maybe the point guard, uh, Pat Beverly, I believe is also a UFA. He's a, he'd be a Philly guy. He'd be the perfect fit in Philly. Mm. So we'll see what happens. It is a good tire, uh, but they won't win with what, how they're constructed. And that's just, I mean, that's just, they haven't won. Um, so we'll see what happens, but yeah, good hire for them. Good solid guy too, Doc Rivers. I'm a big fan of Doc Rivers. The um, uh, the last thing I wanted to mention that the, the team that he's leaving, Clippers, has, has Kawhi Leonard by demanding Paul George and it, it not working out in year one, and then now them losing their head coach, has he really messed up the Clippers for the next three four years? Because these guys are signed to to max contracts, so there's not a whole lot the Clippers can do now. Uh, in terms of a supporting cast, you know you're tied into these two guys. You're committed to these two guys. Paul George is on the other end of his career now. Like he's not a spring chicken. He's going to be 31. Um, that in basketball years, that's you know that's pretty old. I I just think Kawhi Leonard is screwed over the Clippers now. They're they're screwed. They're in a tough spot. And I mean, uh, when Kawhi and Kawhi and George signed, I think we all remember the press conference where their owner was like a twelve-year-old girl jumping around and like getting everybody fired up and whatever. You know, I don't think he's as fired up right now. Um, so, do they come back? And you know, they they talk about coming back together and and making a run at it next year. Um, but I never, I never felt the Clippers actually. Like I didn't, I didn't feel that they were really a team. You know what I mean? Like I felt it was very, um, very individual, and and you just can't win that way. I think even there is star power with the Lakers, but I think LeBron is more like he really thinks of the team 
And that, I mean, his stats say that too. Like, oh, everybody criticizing for not taking the last shot. No, because he knows that that's not the best option because he's going to be double teamed or whatever. So he'll find the open guy and, and let his teammate hit the shot, which is what they're supposed to do. But I think because of that mentality, and I think, you know, the difference between Kawhi and LeBron is that. I think LeBron is a guy that makes a team out of it, out of his guys as much as he can. And Kawhi, I don't think, has that ability as much. He's a very, very, very good player. But is he the guy, like, he had Lowry in Toronto to do that team stuff. Where then he had Kawhi to just play basketball. In L.A., you know, I don't know if he thought George was going to do it, but I don't see George being that kind of guy either. So it just seemed like they were both very good players, you know, amongst a bunch of other guys where, uh, you know, LeBron or Lowry would bring in and, and make it more of a team environment. And I think that that's what's showing through with L.A. is that you've taken these real good players, these stars of other teams, and everybody's kind of bought into what they got to do. And Dwight Howard, you've talked about Dwight Howard, and Dwight Howard is probably the most, uh, one of the most um, under, not underrated, overrated players or underachieving players that, that I can remember in the last little while where he has so many physical gifts and, and abilities, and I know he's had some injuries and stuff, but I just feel like he's never really lived up to the expectations of what Dwight Howard should be. And... Uh, even though he's not the star, he, he understands his role in this team. I think that's given him a bit of a life, too, to say, I don't have the pressure that way. And he's gone out and, and, and is doing his job, and he's doing it very, very well. And it's probably, you know, the, the best I've seen from a Dwight Howard over the last few years. I mean, for a guy who doesn't get the ball ever, and they don't run any plays for him ever, I mean, he had 10 rebounds and zero points at one point last, last game, and he was more than happy to be that guy. Which is, and he had three or four blocks. So he was coming over. He's blocking shots, rebounding, changing, a completely dom physically dominating uh, Jokic in the Denver series, and Bam Adebayo. You know, I, I could do a whole show on Dwight Howard, but like when he went to LA the first time, he had an ego and he wanted the ball and he wanted plays run for him. And you know, he he had suffered a what would probably end most guys' careers. That's how bad his back injury was. No one taught. No one really knew about it. You know, he looked like he was a shell of himself his first time in L.A. And then he bounced around since then, you know, and he was like, I'm the, I want the ball. He was in Washington, Atlanta. And like, you know, he, he wasn't the guy he was in Orlando. You know, your back injury made him made him suffer. He changed his body. He changed his fitness routine. And now he looks like he's young again. Huge fan of LeBron James. I'm watched, This is the most I've watched of him in, a, in the longest stretch of time. And now I'm really seeing what he can do uh, in terms of uh, getting all the other guys elevating their games do i still think he's a defensive liability one-on-one -on -one, no but help defense lebron is just not a help defender but in a one-on-one -on -one, he can hold his own so i'm going to give him more credit than i have in the past in terms of defense i still think uh, as in terms of his help he he, he watches guys he watches his teammates get beat one-on-one -on -one and does, is is very slow to rotate if he rotates at all but from a one-on-one -on -one perspective you know he said i'll take jamal murray and he shut jamal murray down I'll take Kawhi Leonard. It's, I'll be my responsibility. I can respect that. Good. On that note, <laughs> we're approaching an hour, and I got to pee like a racehorse. Yeah. We got to uh, probably get out of here. We're going out to a couple of different things. Yeah. Gotta get to work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll be back in one second while you play this. All right. I'm not playing the whole thing, so hurry up. My name is Willie. We're beaming. I keep the ladies creaming and all my fans. 
Arguably one of the best football movies ever made. And so, you know, I've watched this multiple times. And I think that the more you watch it, the better it gets. And if you've played any sports at high level, a lot of things start to come into understanding when you watch this game, watch this movie. There's a lot. Of, it's it's exaggerated, but there's a lot of stuff that is very, uh, very accurate. Meanwhile, honey, you used to do this spot alone. All right. He's not back yet. We don't have all day. I'm going to put this out. We got uh, a couple songs we're going to go out to. First one is for one special listener. He's a Facebook page, uh, UC um, commenter. He's always got something to say. He posts. Uh, he's He participates. And that's... Uh, Mike Gatta, he loves the cello. So this is Despacito, the cello remix for Mike Gatta. Have a good weekend, everybody. <laughs> there it is. We're going to go, it's this not the song we're going out to. I was listening in the car <clears throat> to what, Satellite Radio, whatever, and this song came on. It was Drake, and uh, the kid he was doing it with, anyway, the song's called Twist and Turn. But I started giggling to myself because I'm like, how does somebody pick, like there's so many rappers now, so how do you pick your rapper name? And in my mind, I pictured this, you know, I, I don't know what this kid looks like, but I picture myself like, Wolfen down or or Scott Wolfen on like uh, popcorn, you know what I mean? And being like stuff in your face full of popcorn, and then you know being like maybe I should be a rapper as as you're eating, and you're like, what should my rapper name be? And then somebody being like, want to be popcorn, like your tub, your stuff in popcorn in your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, popcorn. <laughs> anyway, this kid's name is Popcon, so it's not even popcorn. It's pop c a a n popcorn uh. popcorn. Anyway, I laughed. I laugh at myself crazy. thinking of all this stupid Everybody stuff. And this is the song we're going out to. It's Popcon with Drake. Anybody who got eyes can't see. She just wanna dance and tease. She just wanna dance and tease me. 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 Listen. You've been missing since 2016. Squid tell me one fit. You know that's my sister. When she speak, I listen. She swears you're my missus. I say we think different. 
icy Why your heart's icy Come baby, come, come try me Who you gonna love if you run by me, oh I love when I record the song, like tape it on the soundboard first, and I get a text message while I'm doing it, and I forget to do yeah. that. <laughs> Everybody's checking their phone now. Oh, I got a message. No, it's rocks. <laughs>